0: Good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you. And I just want to follow up Jeff's little announcement about the Let's Go campaign and just say thank you for your generosity and thank you for being a part of that campaign as the campus leader there. We couldn't do it without you. And there's some amazing things that God is doing there. And so I'm so grateful to a body that believes in the mission that God has called us to. So thank you for that. As we begin our teaching this morning, I wanted to share just a little bit about my own process of how I prepare, partly because Lamentations is a book that most of us really aren't all that familiar with. And so it's really pretty simple, and I hope that it might be encouraging to you. Uh, One of the things that I like to do is simply gather some information to understand uh, the book a little bit. Uh, Who wrote it? Why was it written? What's the context in which it was written? And in fact, you can really find a lot of that in a, in a good study Bible. And so when you find some things out, you learn about it, you, you realize that this is poetry. In fact, it's five poems strung together. And you also realize that, that it was written anonymously. It was written by someone who simply wanted to offer it to God and to God's people as a way of, of expressing lament. And then you, you realize the context in which it was written was very challenging and very hard. I mean, God's people really were prisoners of war. And they had suffered mightily. And their homes were, were destroyed. And probably most of them experienced the loss of loved ones. And, and many of them were off, taken off into exile and brought to Babylon. And so knowing the context, then I like to, what I like to do is, is another thing. I like to open up my Bible and I like to sit and, and read the whole book in one setting. So just understanding the context, and then not just reading it, but reading it through a lens, if you will. Reading it through the lens of a person who actually was receiving this word, having gone through what, what they've gone through. Like, what would that be like? And so I did that. I sat down with my Bible, opened it up, and, and I read it, read it through. I actually read it through a couple of times, And there was a couple observations. Let me share with you. First is this: God's voice is eerily absent in this book. I mean, there's a lot spoken about God. There's a lot spoken to God, but God's voice is actually very silent. In fact, there's only three words recorded of God's voice in this book. Comes towards the end of chapter three. You know what those words are? Do not fear. Do not fear. That's the only word spoken by God in the entire book. Then the other, the other observation I made is the verses that, that express the pain of unanswered prayer. They really stood out for are the feeling that like God is not even, for, even listening. So for instance, in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 8, it says this, Even when I cried out for help, he shuts out my prayer, even when I call out for help. He shuts out my prayer, or later on in that same chapter, verse forty-four, he says, "You've covered yourself with a cloud so that no prayer can get through." Now think about that. You're going through immense pain and suffering, and then you feel as if God has cut you off, or He's thrown a blanket around Himself. He does, he doesn't even want to hear what's being said. And those verses really stood out to me, partly because I went through a period of time, a pretty significant season in my life, in which I felt this way, where it didn't matter what I said. When my prayers it would just go up and it hit the ceiling, come back, and it's as if God had cut off my prayers. I thought, wow, this is so true. This is my experience. Now, my experiences in this long story short is that I was in a very intense time Uh, I was with the church that I was serving and leading we were trying to make some very important decisions about literally moving maybe purchasing a building a lot of different things that were going on and in the the process of making this decision I felt like as if the, the greater church the church body that I was accountable to they, they totally undermined us and made some decisions that were extremely hurtful. And beyond that, I felt as if some people that I would call friends did some things and said some things that completely undermined me and my leadership. And, and uh, you know, they said some things about our church, said some things about me that simply weren't true. And I was just in a tailspin and I would approach God and I felt just like this poet. I, In fact, I couldn't believe, I felt paralyzed. And I just wanted to run from God. And so I want to share just a couple of words of encouragement. What do you do when God doesn't answer our prayers? When you feel as if he's deserted you? What do you do when you're crying out on behalf of a loved one, a child, you're longing for them to be healed of a disease or whatever it is, and yet you see their life slipping away. What do you do when you've been praying for God to guide you and give you some word of encouragement and He doesn't seem to be answering? Or what do you do when you're in the midst of a marriage and, and it feels like it's collapsing right before your eyes? And you long for something different, and yet God doesn't seem to be doing anything. Or what do you do when you lose a job and you want something more and you're asking God, praying to God, and all you feel is his desertion? Well, there's a couple things I'd like to encourage you to do. Two things. First is this. And it's more a posture. It's lean towards God. Lean towards God. You know, when I was going through this season... It was very difficult for me to want to turn towards God. It's just this idea that, do you have the courage in the midst of your pain and your suffering and your disappointment to say, I'm going to turn towards God? I'm going to lean in. In fact, a friend of mine in the midst of this season of, I would call it despair, and this sort of, this feeling like God didn't want to answer my prayer. He was saying nothing. He sent me a book on prayer called, towards God. I, I got the book and I literally threw it aside. I didn't read it for the longest time. I didn't want to. But the title of the book sort of ruminated in my mind over and over again. I could, couldn't get it out of my mind because I didn't want to go towards God. I was angry and frustrated. And finally, it sort of helped me turn and lean towards God. So, would you have the courage in the midst of your pain and your suffering or feeling as if God is not answering your prayer to continue to lean towards God? And here's the second thing. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. And here's why. I think... The book of Lamentations gives us some encouragement to never give up. The first reason I would, I would suggest is this. Desperation really is the language of prayer. Desperation is the language of prayer. Listen to Lamentations 2, verse 19. It says, Arise, cry out in the night as the watches of the night begin. Pour out your hearts like water in the presence of the Lord. It's so interesting to me. This is true in my own journey. You know, when things are going really well, God sort of takes this back seat, doesn't he? And life is good and you're just cruising along, and yet it's almost as if we forget God. But when something wrong happens or when there's calamity that happens, what do we often do? That's when we turn towards God. It maybe gets us in a place where we should be. You know, when I was thinking about this, a couple of, of movie clips came to my mind. I, I don't know if you remember this classic movie, It's a Wonderful Life, right? It's a Wonderful Life. George Bailey. George Bailey is ha- having a very bad day on Christmas Eve of all days. His uncle has misplaced $8,000, Right? And he's distraught. He's afraid he's going to lose it all. And what does he do? He runs to his competitor, Mr. Potter. And Mr. Potter is all too willing just to rub it in and gleefully turns him down, turns down help of George. But he also finds out that George has a modest life insurance policy and he says to George, you know, George, you'd be worth more dead than alive. And George took that to heart. And he's totally distraught. And he runs out of there and he's, he ends up in a bar. And he's sitting at this bar scene and he's clinging to this life insurance policy, kind of playing with that and contemplating the idea of ending his life. And what does he do? He says, God, I'm not a praying man. But would you show me the way? Would you help me? You show me what I need to do. Desperation creates this avenue in which we often turn to God. And it allows us, I think, also to not only turn to God, but to express our pain. Desperation is really the heart of lament in some ways. And here's another movie clip, okay? Just to help you. Remember Lieutenant Dan? Remember Forrest Gump, the movie? That character, Lieutenant Dan, he was uh, Forrest's uh, platoon leader in Vietnam. And he's severely injured, and, and Forrest saves him. And you find out that, that he's really angry at Forrest, and he's angry at everything and everyone. And he's angry because he didn't die in the battlefield, didn't die with honor, and he's angry because he lost his legs in the battle. And later on in the movie, they reconnect, and Forrest is down, you know, fishing. Right? With Bubba. And Lieutenant Dan shows up. And they go out fishing. Remember this scene? They go out fishing. And they're out in the boat together. And what happens? A huge storm. I'm like, why weren't they paying attention to that? Right? But a huge storm comes up. And rather than go in, they decide to ride out the storm. And so in the midst of the storm, what does Lieutenant Dan do? Lieutenant Dan crawls up to the top of the mast of the boat. And what does he do? He shouts out to God. And he's screaming. And then you sort of hear this narrator voiceover come over over the movie and it's Forrest's voice and he says, And that night Lieutenant Dan made peace with God. Maybe our desperation allows us to express our pain and to find some peace. But here's the most amazing thing in my mind, that there are times in which we are so desperate that we don't even know what to say or how to say it. I don't know if you've ever been in a place where all you do are you're crying and through those tears, you're simply groaning, if you will. You know what the scriptures say? The scriptures say, it's that in those moments that you have an advocate the Spirit of God who knows your heart and goes before the Father to speak on your behalf. Listen to this from Romans chapter 8. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Just read this. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Don't give up. Desperation really is the language of prayer. And God hears you. Here's a second reason. And I pulled this... um, from chapter 3, but the second reason is this, don't give up because silence can actually be a gift. Listen to what it says in chapter 3. The Lord is good to those whose hope in him, is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young. Let him sit alone in silence, for the Lord has laid it on him. Let him bury his face in the dust that there may yet be hope. Let him sit alone in silence. You know how to think about that. It's almost as if the poet says, look, silence can be a good thing. I wasn't so sure. And then I started thinking about my own experience. You know, one of the, one of the things over the years I've, I've met with a lot of people who've gone through loss or grief or pain in fact, I've I've facilitated some support groups. And one of the unique things of those in the support groups of going through loss or grief or pain is that they need to work through their own disappointment with things that were said to them in the midst of their pain. It's as if we who want to be nice to people going through suffering or hurt end up saying dumb things. Not because we want to say dumb things, but we do. We just say dumb things and it turns into hurt and pain. (laughs) Better to be silent in some ways. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Then I think about God. He's being the perfect gentleman. He's listening, but he's going to be silent and let you speak. He's not going to judge you. He's not going to give you any unsolicited advice. He's just going to listen. Silence can be a gift. Silence can allow us to express our frustration. Silence can also help build resolve. It helps us to know what's really important. In some ways, you know, we we pray and 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 God is listening, and yet God is maybe not. Answering the way we should, in some ways, it helps us to readjust to this new reality that's upon us. So oftentimes, I think our, de- our cries of desperation are about God, please change what's happened. And I think God says, you know what, I'm not going to change what, what's happened, but I can help you forge a new future if you will trust me. And so, sometimes in the silence, we are adjusting to a new reality, and God is saying, "Trust me; I can help you move forward." And it builds this sense of perseverance as well. You know, I've seen this lived out in my own family. Some of some of you know the story of my mother-in-law, my wife's uh, mother. Her name is Ruth. When she was 31 years old, she was completely paralyzed. And they didn't know why. 20 years later, doctors uh, diagnosed it as a viral infection that attacked the blood vessels along her spine. Now, in the midst of that, what do you think the prayers were? They were prayers of desperation three young children, the youngest of which was two years old. God, please heal. God, please be with. And then, the reality of this coming on, that, like, he's not going to heal her as we would like. Now, how many dumb things do you think were said in the midst of that? And so what... What happened? They they began adjusting their prayers. God, would you just spare her life so she can be with her kids one more time? And over the course of 90 days, she went from being completely paralyzed where she was in an iron lung and then slowly parts of her body would come back. And then it became apparent that she was going to be able to go home. And they said, God, would you please help me to see, would you allow her to see her children grow up? And it became apparent that God was sustaining her and them together, and she saw them grow up. And then then it became, God, would you help us to see our children get married and have their own families? And, And God was sustaining her and moving her forward. And then, God, would you help her to see grandchildren And today she has great grandchildren. And I jokingly say, You're the toughest old bird. You're going to outlive us all. But it is hard. And it is painful. And she is a warrior. And so is her husband. Silence did something to them. It made them a bright shining light. Silence can be a gift. Maybe not a gift we want, but a gift. Don't give up. Here's the last thing I want to say. Don't give up. Because you can trust the promises over the perception. Okay, show show the picture. So I was uh, with Giselle, and we were suffering for the Lord in uh, Florida a few weeks ago. (laughs) Yeah, it had been uh, pretty windy and cold uh, the first few days, but then on Wednesday of the week, spring break week, uh, we were there, and uh, we're out at the Atlantic Ocean, and it was just beautiful. And as far as the eye could see, it was just a, like a tabletop. It was flat. And it was just, just gorgeous. And then I realized something. You know, just, it just looks this way. And then the next day, we actually got to go to the space center in, in Canaveral. And I got this picture. This picture is from the, the space station 240 miles above the earth. And there you begin to see Right, that the earth is not really flat. But because of where I was standing and my perspective and my circumstances, it looked flat. And I think sometimes it's the same in our own life, our own circumstances. Because of where we're standing and what we see, we don't see a bigger perspective. And I'd like to believe, and I need to believe, The promises of God are more real than my own perception. So what are some of those perceptions that we get into when we're suffering or we don't hear from God or God doesn't seem to be answering our prayers? The Perception number one is that we are alone. That we are alone. And yet, this is what God says at the lowest point in this book of Lamentations. I called on your name, Lord, from the depths of the pit. You heard my plea. Do not close your ears to my cry for relief. You came near when I called you. And you said, do not fear. Do not fear. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's the promise. You are not alone. You're not alone. Here's another perception that God doesn't really care or understand. In the midst of my pain, and yet I believe the promise is that God is intimately aware of your pain and identifies with it completely. I think about this week. Here we are at Palm Sunday, and we're moving into this season called Holy Week. What are we remembering, friends? We're remembering Jesus' life. We're remembering the agony that he had as he gathered with his disciples one last time. And then praying in the garden. Remember him praying in Gethsemane. God, please take this cup from me but not my will, your will be done. Or listen to what he prays before he breathes his last gasp. From Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the land, all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned your back on me? Why aren't you hearing me? Which is why I think the, the writer for Hebrews can say this from Hebrews chapter 4. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted or tested in every way, just as we are, and yet did not sin. He knows your pain, He identifies with it. He is with you. Here's the last perception. Think we can get stuck in? We can feel as if nothing is happening, and yet the promise is the promise is the center of this book. What is the promise? Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope because of the Lord's great love. We are not consumed for for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is Your faithfulness. God is at work. God is loving and kind. So are you willing to lean towards God? Are you willing to have the courage to trust Him? I want us to pray together. And I'd like for you to do something this morning if you would. Just in a moment of silence. If you would be willing to lay out your pain, your disappointment, your prayer that God doesn't seem to be answering or care about, would you tell him about that? And would you surrender one more time, whatever that is, to him? Lord, I know that many of us have felt in places where we're stuck, we don't understand, we're hurting. God, we want to trust you to move forward. We don't even know what to pray. God, would you speak before the Father on our behalf? Would you help us to know your presence? Would you be with us in the midst of our pain? And God, would you help us to trust your promises even when we don't feel like your presence? God, just be with your people, I pray